The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good afternoon, ACB community. You are listening to Home, Garden, and Agriculture. We come to you now on the first Saturday of each month. Uh, Previously, it had been the second Saturday, but today and in the future, it will be the first Saturday, same time, just on the first Saturday. My name is Marge, and my co-host is Deborah, co-facilitator, rather, is Deborah, and we have... um, a couple of uh, special speakers for you today that Deborah will introduce. But first, Deborah, how's your garden? I am shocked that I still have plants growing. So my greenhouse is unheated. We got down to zero or in that neighborhood of zero. It was pretty cold a couple weeks ago. I couldn't even get into my greenhouse because the snow was all piled up against the door and I couldn't get in there. And um, I thought for sure everything would be a goner. I couldn't get in there for about two weeks. Nothing was watered, nothing. And so when I finally could get in there, much to my surprise, I barely lost anything. Kale, collards, spinach. Um, I have some kohlrabi in there. I was thrilled to find that stuff survived that cold weather. So um, I'm pretty happy. And and I have bulbs starting to poke their little leaves up through the ground and my snowdrops will be blooming soon. I, I it, it's surpri- doing surprisingly well. How about your way? It, you have not had to deal with snow like the rest of no, us. No, 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 no snow here. No snow here on the Georgia coast. You know, but uh, that is is really interesting to hear, Deborah, about the survival rate in your greenhouse because you know there are. Books, I believe Elliot Coleman is one author, and there are others, I'm sure, uh, writing about uh, growing in the wintertime in places like Maine with cold frames and using greenhouse growing. So it can be done. It is being done. And and uh, you've you've learned that that it is possible. And uh, that's that's very, very gratifying. And of course, this time of year, February, we do start thinking about spring. And of course, yesterday was Groundhog Day, and uh, you may have heard that Paxatani Phil uh, did not see his shadow, which means an earlier spring. And that is true also of Georgia's own General Beauregard Lee. He did not see his shadow, and uh, others around the country, the groundhogs apparently didn't either. I don't think it's unanimous, but uh, I understand that, that most... Uh, did not see their shadows. And and I want to just give a little shout out for General Beauregard Lee because he gets neglected in the list of uh, national groundhogs who make these predictions. So, so yes. He does um, have a cool name. He does. He does. He's, he's in middle Georgia, Jackson, Georgia, and, and he comes out and I imagine people gather around as, as they do up in Pennsylvania, just to see what, what he's going to predict. Uh, so early spring, uh, most of us, uh, let's, let's hope that the, the, the groundhogs are correct and that that's what we'll be seeing though. Um, for, for us here, we just kind of move along. I was putting in some little lettuces today and if it, does um, get down closer to freezing, we'll cover them over and very, very mild, sort of breezy upper 50s um, today for us, but sun. So um, all of our winter crops just continue on. Some have finished and uh, 
I'm I'm going to be as um, soon as that seed arrives. I am planting some of my first tomatoes. So the seasons are progressing. Ah, you're getting ready to seed your bedding plants. Oh yes, absolutely. Well, I am really excited about who we have on today. Um, some of you may remember Susan. She was on a couple of months ago. And she is back. Uh, she is a retired physical therapist and uh, an advanced master gardener through the University of Idaho, Ada County Ex Extension Agency. She's a very experienced gardener. And we also have Donna. Donna is also an advanced master gardener. They have both given presentations on adaptive gardening. They have great knowledge about ways to garden uh, without, uh, you, you know, without some of the physical effort maybe some of us might want to avoid. Uh, they have great ideas about techniques and tools. And so um, welcome, Donna and Susan. You can go ahead and make sure you are unmuted. And I'm just going to start by um, I'm going to start by asking Donna. Donna, could you tell us um, how long you have been a master gardener? Well, I've been a master gardener in Idaho for seven years now, but I was a master gardener in California for about six. So I guess that makes maybe thirteen years. Yeah, so you have quite a lot of experience in two different states. And um, what what brought you to the subject? What what made you interested in adaptive gardening? Well, I had two knee replacements, and I couldn't bend down and garden anymore. I just couldn't get on my knees. And I thought, I need to start making some changes in how I garden. So I started looking initially for tools that would help me garden and then it kind of evolved into doing presentations on uh, I do a presentation called tips and tools for season gardeners so we talk about things to do to uh, help you uh, be comfortable in the garden stretching and and uh, hydrating things like that but we also talk about tools that are available to uh, to help people who are losing the ability to physically garden. And I became interested in visually impaired gardening uh, because I have a cousin who's blind and she was an awesome gardener. So I talked to her a lot. And just for me, it's a subject that's really close to my heart. Yeah, and your cousin, I believe um, she came to speak to the master gardeners in Idaho and they were so impressed they made her an honorary master gardener, if I heard correctly. And I understand the slides of her gardens were amazing. They, they were amazing. They were in Southern California. And uh, she taught me a lot about the things to look for and how to appreciate my garden differently. It was uh, that uh, uh, recognition of our master gardener group was like the highlight of Jan's life. And unfortunately she uh, had, can she got cancer and passed away within six months after, but she told everybody that she'd been recognized as, as a master gardener in Idaho. She was so excited. Well, she left a really good impression in Idaho. Well, and um, I'll move on to Susan. I just want to ask you the same question. How long have you been a master gardener? Well, I took my first classes here in Ada County uh, in 1998. Uh, and I was in the program until we moved to Arkansas. And I was a master gardener down there for 10 years. And I have now been back almost four years and have been a master gardener three of those. So I've, I've picked up a little extra experience about what one does when one gets seven inches of rain in one day. So, wow. <laughs> and yeah, which does not happen in Idaho. That's not where we're no. at. 
Exactly. And, 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 and what brought you to this adaptive gardening? What, what prompted your interest? Okay, I was born with very, very myopic eyes and uh, was told uh, as long as I could remember that I would be blind by the time I was 40. And so I started way back then looking at ways that I could appreciate what was around me and find things. Um, and then uh, as a physical therapist, I uh, was looking for ways that I could get patients to do their exercises willingly rather than, than uh, cursing me out because they had to do something. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the problems there were that they had changing, phys typically they had changing physical conditions and we had to modify things as, you know, what they could use to support themselves, uh, whether or not they could get to the garden, could they get to their chicken house, could they get to the barn to feed the, the livestock that was in the barn. And these were things that were very important to them. And by working on uh, things that they could do to get them there, uh, was a good motivator. Hmm, that sounds really creative um, physical therapy. Um, when I went, so when I did I, my when I did my professional training, I could have taken the exam for uh, either occupational therapy and or physical therapy. So I had some of that bred into me as part of my training. So uh, mm -hmm. the patients just made it an op made an opportunity for me. Yeah, they were lucky to have you. That that is a great way to motivate and help people really engage in believing that they can keep enjoying life. So I'm going to ask both of you to describe some of the, the techniques and tools that you use in your own gardening. So Donna, I'll, I'll start with you. Could you just outline some of, of what you do in your gardening? Well, uh, one of the things that I do, I recently, well, within the last three years, I, I had a terrible uh, accident and I, I shattered my femur. So I have a great deal of difficulty Ooh. now being around my garden. So first thing I did for my garden was to redesign it. So I, I redesigned it so that I could get into it easier. I made sure I had good wide paths so that when I have to use a walker, I can do that. I um, have paths into everywhere in my garden. I put borders up so that I wouldn't tip over into my garden. And I've tried to make sure I plant uh, sustainable plants, perennials, and plants that don't require a lot of maintenance. I try to garden at... Um, at raised bed level, if possible, I think that makes a lot of sense. So I use raised beds. And how tall are pots. how tall are your raised beds? Well, raised beds, any raised bed, I think, should be at least two and a half feet if it's in on the ground. If it's elevated, you know, maybe you want it about three foot high. So that it depends on what your needs are, and and you know, now they make raised beds you can even get a wheelchair under. So I think that depends on on what you're wanting to do. But as a general rule, you do not want to go below two and a half feet high. Okay. Uh, you and also what want are to make pathways made out of. You know, I have most of my walk, most of my yard pathways are concrete because that's a smooth uh, surface that doesn't have any uh, dips or, or things that will trip me up as I try to walk through them. But I do have stepping stones in my garden as well, and they have to be very large. And I can't even tell you how large because you just need them to be comfortable when you're walking. I, I inherited some that were uh, like little stepping stones that were a foot wide, and those are just ridiculous. So you want I use big sheets of uh, of, of uh, sandstone, flagstone that mm. are set in a pattern. I just like the, the pattern of it. 
but actually the, the best ones are, are um, concrete, uh, flagstone or sandstone, and also a very tiny gravel. If you can find a tiny gravel, I had one that was uh, road-based, and it just set in so well that you could just walk in on it, and it was, it was porous, but it was very easy to walk on. What you don't want to do is to put rocks that you're going to stumble on or anything you're going to stumble on in your garden. Um, if you're sided or not sided, it can be a problem. Wow, that it sounds beautiful. It sounds beautiful. And um, do you have a favorite tool or two that you want to tell us about? I I actually have a couple. I um I think everybody should have a hori hori in their their uh, inventory, which is um, a digging tool, a Japanese digging tool, and it unfortunately needs to be sharp. So if you, but it's not so sharp that it cuts you. So I think I think most people can use a hori hori because it will get right down and dig in the soil. And I also like to use lightweight uh, buckets and and carrying things. So maybe a five gallon bucket, but my favorite is called a trug. Are you familiar with that? I am not. And if you could describe the hori hori a bit more too, that would be great. I will. The hori hori is, it's a Japanese gardening knife is what it is. And usually uh, they come, they're sharpened on both sides. It's almost like a trowel, only it's narrow and it's pointed on the end. And, and you need to keep them sharp so that they'll go right in the soil. But they will dig down. I, I had oak trees in uh, California, and oaks leave acorns. And acorns, when they root, they're so hard to get out, they're impossible. But a hori hori would dig right down and pull it right out. But my hori hori is good for digging things out of the ground. It's also good for opening up bags if you've got compost or potting soil. You can use that sharp edge to open a bag. It's just, uh, and it's spelled H-O-R-I, H-O-R-I. And they're available at okay. most good gardening stores. Okay, and how about the trug? Tell us more about that. Trugs are sometimes harder to find. Uh, they are available at a lot of good gardening stores. And that's spelled T-R-U-G. And it's a, it's a bucket. It's it's like a cross between a bucket and a basket, but it's solid. It's not open like a basket would be. Um, and it's plastic. It's a molded plastic. It has handles on it. And you can get them that are not trugs, just like that. But trugs are, are they'll just, they're dependable. You don't lose the handles on them. And I get mine from Gardener's Supply, but I, which you can buy online. But uh, I think most good gardening stores they they carry trugs and oftentimes at flower and garden shows they will have trugs okay and i assume you use that to carry tools and to put debris in and anything you need to move around while you're gardening well i also i also use it, it it's big enough that if you're digging up a plant and relocating a plant you can put your plant in the trug and carry it mm. If you put okay. the handles of a little, tr they're flexible. So if you put the handles together, they act like um, they, they. You can use it. It comes together and it pours like a a, a spigot, you know, that pours right down. So mm. like you can put water mm -hmm. in it or fertilizer and pour it in your garden off of this. Too. It's just it's the handiest bucket I've ever seen. A flexible bucket. That's great. A flexible that bucket. Sounds that's a good yeah. description. So Susan, can you tell us um, a bit about what you do in your garden and well, a couple of tools that you like? My favorite garden tool is my wagon. Um, I have difficulty walking any distance and, and am a, considered a very high fall risk. and by pulling on the wagon, the tongue gives me some stability that I wouldn't ordinarily have. The other thing is, is I can carry everything that I need in the wagon. I do also have a little uh, bag that I've got little hand tools in 
that if that's all I need, I can just pick that up and go wherever I'm going. The other thing, I don't have the truck, which I uh, have seen pictures of and got to see what uh, Donna was describing for you that she's got. Uh, I use a a couple of of very light uh, plastic type pots that have a 20, uh, about a 24 inch uh, opening at the top. They're just the same kind of pot that you put a plant in, but I use those and two of those will go in my wagon and I can haul stuff around uh, if I'm having to clean up weeds or anything uh, that is a real convenient uh, tool for me to use for that kind of thing. Uh, The other tool that I really like is, is something I call or was sold to me as a winged weeder. Uh, it's uh, it's like a hoe, and it's like an, a, the point on an arrow, and it's sharp in front and back, and so you just kind of scrub the ground with it uh, in order to weed. And it, I find it to take it takes a lot less energy for me to do that. The other thing that I do because I've got some uh, severe lung and heart problems. Um, is that I have places that I can sit down scattered all around my yard. If I get tired, then I can go sit down and rest for a little while. And one thing I learned really early on is that if I rest more often, I rest for shorter periods of time and I get more work done. And my goal is to get the garden taken care of and so this is one little trick that I use. It's it's a tool to conserve energy uh, as opposed to a tool to convert, to uh, actually garden with. That's that's a great idea. That's a really good point. I I notice that I get a little obsessive when I'm out there gardening, and I have to force myself to stop and go get a drink or take a little rest. And and it sounds like you are taking those breaks before you get to the point where you feel it and you can do more because of it. I can do more, but I don't have to rest as long either. And that's why I can do more. So, you know, just to yeah. tell yourself, I can do more if I uh, take a little short break. That's, that's a great tip. Wow. I'm, 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 have a lot more to ask, but I'm going to at Barch, do you have anything you want to ask before we open up for calls? Well, these are, are really some great resources, and I'm sure others have, have things to contribute. Uh, Susan, I just wanted to add one thing. You mentioning your wagon reminded me of a tool that that um, I have um, called a go-easy that... Um, I believe it's go easy rather than easy go, but it's a, a Home Depot device that is a bit like a, a bucket, uh, fairly wide, but it's rounded and its back goes up and you hang on to it in the back and it has wheels on its back. So you tilt it um, to, to move it around in your space. It's very lightweight. Um, and we tend to use it for uh, weeding and just uh, debris, collecting debris out in, in the yard, but it could be um, used for a variety of things. Um, you have to, if it's going to rain, you want to tilt the thing or lay it down uh, face down so it doesn't fill with water. But uh, it's an amazingly handy um, device, uh, handier than a wheelbarrow uh, would, would be, um, doesn't hold quite as much maybe, but, uh, it holds quite a lot. And, uh, we have had this one for about 15 years and it sits out 365 days a year and it is still going. And, um, should it die on me, uh, a wheel, uh, collapse or something, um, I would definitely seek out a, another one. So, a, a go easy, um, a very, um, easy um, garden helping device to uh, to move around. Yeah, one of the things wow. yeah, one of the things that what you're saying, Marge, is if you start working with lighter loads, 
you can get more done. Again, that's an energy conservation technique. And so what you mentioned is a good point. Sure. Yeah. And, and I like how Susan is emphasizing taking care of yourself and taking care of your garden. And you'll, we'll take better care of our gardens if we take care of ourselves. For sure. Uh, we're going to go, we're going to go ahead and open it up to calls. I just to give a little teaser, um, Donna and Susan do have some really good ideas about container gardening and all kinds of different kinds of gardening. So, um, we might get into that a bit later, but before we do that, I'm going to see if anyone wants to jump in with a, question or a comment. So we have uh, Cindy is handling our Zoom and we have, um, hopefully I get this correct, uh, Chanel is streaming for us and Danette is handling Clubhouse today. So um, do we have any hands? Yes, ma'am, you do. All right. Okay, Jewel, go ahead. Hello, I'm Jewel. I'm in Tennessee. Hi, and I'm working Hi, I'm working towards a homestead of my own. Um, I wanted to jump in with a couple of comments and then a question. Um, my favorite combination for a larger garden is a wagon, as was mentioned. Um, I loved my wagon and I want to get another. And also having a folding stool with attached bag below that you could unbuckle. And then having a kneeling pad also, because I find with my arthritis and my hypermobility, um, I tend to need a variety of, you know, down on the ground, a little higher or standing. So the, a combination of the three seems to help me a lot. Um, and I could sit there on my kneeling pad because maybe a kneeling pad, but I usually sit on it. My knees don't like it kneeling. Um, I can sit on that kneeling pad for hours working on the garden, just scoot it over you know, when I get to the next part that I need. Um, I had a question for the lady who was talking about the wagon, though. Do you use a wagon that has a single piece across the front, like a single bar? And also, do you like the ones that have the removable front wall? Um, and why, are not, why not on both of those? Thank you. Thank you, Jewel. Um, those were some great comments. Okay, uh, well, this is Susan. Uh, about the wagon, uh, the one there are a, a whole bunch out there on the uh, on the market. The one that I prefer, and it could be because that's the one that I used to my daughter's back when she was growing up and got her little red rider. Um, I like that kind of of. Uh, wagon and part of the reason is is loading it if i'm putting bags of uh compost or bark or that kind of stuff the lower sides uh are easier for me to clear uh the uh so just to clarify susan you're talking like a, a kid's wagon like a a, a kid's little mm -hmm. red wagon yeah. that kids use yeah right yeah it, it's and and I started with that. I have graduated to a bigger one because I'm carrying. I needing to get more stuff moved. Um, but again, mm -hmm. I I follow the rule of uh, I don't work any harder uh, than my heart will tolerate, and uh, then I just mm -hmm. sit down and rest and go back to it. But if I don't have any real recommendations for anyone. Uh, because it is so site specific and it depends on what you're doing. Uh, if you're uh, moving large amounts of, uh, of plants around, you're probably going to want to go with one with the lower sides. If you're hauling a great deal of stuff or say you've got a trailer that you hook onto a uh, compact tractor to pull it around, you may want higher sides on it. So it's you need to look at, at, at the job you want to do and see what uh, what wagon will fit that job. I uh, I use Donna. a gorilla cart. Oh, 
Go ahead, Donna. Go ahead. Uh, this is Donna, and and I I like Susan use a wagon. I don't wouldn't call it a wagon. Mine is a bigger cart, but mine actually acts like a dump truck. I mean it it lifts up and it will dump things out. So uh, and and Susan's right. If you you kind of are it's site specific and it's need specific. So I think you need to find the one that works for you. But there's all kinds of options available. Yeah, and I I use a gorilla cart which dumps. I, I used to use the wheelbarrow all the time, quite a bit, but I graduated to the gorilla cart. I got it on Amazon. I think it was only like a hundred ten dollars. Can hold up to six hundred pounds. And I used that thing for all, I got rid of my wheelbarrow. I, I thought I never would, but I love that may, thing. And to have may, the dump feature is really nice. May I make yeah. a follow-up comment? Sure. Um, the reason I was asking about the wagon is because you mentioned um, balance issues. And I found that mm -hmm. um, for me, and of course it's very individual, um, the one that I like is actually considered a wheelbarrow, but because it has such large wheels, it's very balanced. Um, it is a two-wheeled, but then it has the front um, legs if you lower it. And then it has a single bar um, that goes all the way across and um, a removable wall in the front, which makes loading very easy if you need it lower, which I often do, remove the wall. And then that's also great for dumping. Um, and... Also, one thing that I would mention is if you have a farm animal that likes pulling, because I did work with a dog that was 140 pounds and he liked to pull, I would attach his leash to that and he would help me pull it when it was heavy. And he loved doing that. That's, um, he was a great Pyrenees uh, dober the mix. Yeah. So they're working wow. a lot. That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah 140 pounds. Well, so he was more than willing to pull wow. a cart. Yeah. You could pull a lot. Well, thank you, Jewel. And um, I am going to see if we have any other hands raised. It sounded like maybe we had some hands, um, either our clubhouse host or um, on Zoom. Do we have any hands? Nothing in clubhouse, no hands. Thank you. Okay. How about Cindy? Do we have no, anybody? Okay, so I did want to ask, maybe dig in a little deeper into um, some other techniques like container gardening. I, I know a lot of people uh, are are interested in that. So I'll let Susan, you and Donna, I'll let you guys figure out which one of you will start in on, on maybe tell us a bit about how to use Compare gardening in an adaptive garden. Go ahead, Donna. Uh, this is Donna. This is Donna. I um, I love containers, and we live in Idaho, and I love I love um, pottery containers, which don't weather freezes real well if you leave soil in them. So if you fill up one of those all the way to the top, then at the end of the season you have to empty the thing out. And so I've discovered if I look for a molded plastic container that will fit on the top of my pottery of my pottery container, the tall ones, I can just plant in that plastic container and remove it at the end of the season. I can also rotate it out and put another one in. So that that's a way to use uh, you know those expensive urns. You know, I've got one that costs about six hundred dollars in my yard and I don't want it breaking. So that's, that's one thing I do. And, uh, and I just love containers. Containers are wonderful because you can get them to whatever height you need. You can stack them together. You can put them wherever you need them. You can move them in your garden. They, they, just, they have a lot of value. But again, worry about the weight. If they're, if they're those molded or the, or the, the um, Pottery containers are going to be heavy, but now they make resin containers that are almost the same look that are very, very lightweight. So those would be my tips is whatever you're doing, try to keep it lightweight and also something that you can reach. 
uh, and maybe you want to hang a container. That's another way to to use it. But if you hang it, you want to make sure it's at your eyes uh, height. You don't want it to be too high because you're not going to be able to tend it, not going to be able to work with it. Yeah, the the yeah. other thing that I've discovered with containers is make sure it has drainage. I oh, um, had a yeah. I somebody gifted me a whisk half whiskey barrel, and I didn't. I just assumed it had drainage. I didn't look, and I filled it up with soil, and then discovered it did not have drainage. It is not easy to go back and. You know, you have to dump all the soil out and start over again to to get the holes um, drilled in there. So uh, a lot of the containers these days, they don't come with holes. So that, that's an important thing to look for. So Susan, it sounded like you had something to add. Uh, well, one of the things has to do with the color of containers, particularly if they're going to be in the, uh, the sun, Really dark colors, particularly black. Uh, the soil heats up a lot. And what can happen is that you just literally cook the roots and so your plant doesn't survive. Uh, the other thing that I do with mine, I've got uh, a bunch of uh, the plastic type containers and they're high, high enough that I can use them as a seat. And that's one of the things I've got scattered around some folks look at it and think it's decoration. For me, it's just a, a, a place to sit down and rest. But the important thing that you've got to remember is, yes, you can sit down, but the real question is, can you get back up? So you want to probably look at a container that is at least uh, 18 inches tall or 20 is better. Or, or as uh, uh, Donna mentioned earlier, 24 inches is, is really nice. You can also stack and your container. You know, mm -hmm. if you've got those plastic containers that you're using that Susan's describing, mm -hmm. turn one upside down and put another one on up upright on the top of the one that's upside down and it'll bring the height up and it, and it can be attractive in your garden. And you know what it is? Another a thing. really good idea. Uh, another thing that uh, out, and this is, a, a, again, it's a situation of site-specific. Uh, I get better pepper growth if I've got them in a pot and in the sun, but not a black pot. Uh, and they seem to do, be happier with uh, hot roots rather than uh, cold ones. And I've got sand, uh, a lot of sand where I am. It's it, it's an old uh, quarry where I am, uh, my mobile home is. And if you've got uh, the warmer feet, if the, if the pepper has the warmer feet, it grows better, it produces better. Or at least but that's my experience. Hmm. And what do you fertilize with when you're container gardening? Uh, I I like a slow release. If I'm I'm not specifically an organic gardener, I'm I'm a, a uh, financially uh, try to pay attention to not spending a lot of money on gardening. Is one of the reasons I start my own seeds, other than I'm interested in that kind of thing. Um, but I. Uh, use slow release fertilizer and Osmocote has a six month fertilizer and for annuals, I'll put that on uh, shortly after they come up and start to act like they're gonna live for me. Uh, and by the time uh, fall rolls around, then there's no more of the fertilizer uh, left. They also make one that is a four month fertilizer, but I prefer the, the longer one. The other thing I do is I mulch heavily uh, and I mulch, I just take the leaves. And again, this is an energy, co energy conservation thing for me. Uh, and I blow them onto my walkways around the, the plants. I try to save the leaves and what have you uh, from being covered. But I used 
the leaves that uh, fall around my, my place as additional mulch. And by not breaking them up and sending them to the uh, uh, dump, I at least get, uh, well, the most interesting thing is when I got here, I had no earthworms in my uh, flower beds, and now I do. And those, those That's leaves a, yes, also, free tips. yeah, the leaves also create compost. So uh -huh. it's a wonderful thing to leave in your garden. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. The landlord isn't real, isn't real sure about it, but I think I've got him about convinced. Well, ladies, you do so, have Donna, a hand have up a... if you're interested, if you're okay. ready. Okay. You want to yes. take it? Yeah. Okay, we'll, it's we'll Jewel take... again. Yep. Okay, Jewel, go ahead. I actually had a question about, um, two questions actually, one about irrigation and raised beds and one about watering containers. Um, because as you know, watering cans can get pretty heavy. Um, I imagine putting them on a wagon would work. But as far as raised beds, have y'all ever considered, um, I've seen people doing PVC pipes where you put holes in the PVC pipe. And then you have a funnel that you just pour into and that seeps into the soil over time. Have y'all considered that? And also, how do y'all water your containers? Um, since watering, you know, watering cans can be pretty heavy. And, of course, buckets are also. Those are the two questions. Irrigation and watering containers. Susan, do you mind if I answer this first? I, I would I would suggest that you do because you've got more of that kind of thing than I do. Okay, I I have several types of raised beds, and one is one of those that's on legs, and it came with one of those watering systems where you you water it centrally, and it really didn't seem to work very well. I I really I like to take a hose and and with a a spray head on it and just walk around and water those containers with a spray uh, head, unless it's a raised bed. If it's a raised bed, I want, love having irrigation in it. And I, drip irrigation works really well in, in any raised bed. If you can get that, that's probably optimal. But I still add a little water. But containers will probably need hand watering. And just find yourself a, a lightweight hose. The fabric ones are, are wonderful. You may have to replace them more often. But they're, they're, they're wonderful, and you can put a, a long-handled sprayer on them so you can reach your, your plants that are up high or, or that maybe longer, uh, require longer reach. But I, I want to spray my, my containers. I, I just don't find – I've tried using drip on them, and I've tried using uh, other types. And, and your suggestion with the PVC is, is a possibility, but that's never worked for me. Yeah, I and Donna, I would agree with you on that. Um, I I actually uh, water and make sure that I soak so that it's coming out the bottom, and I leave it in the uh, water in the bottom uh, overnight, and then dump it out uh, partially to protect the roots. And if I know that I'm getting water all the way through, then uh, I can uh, my pots will go. Well, now this is Idaho, by the way, and we're high desert, so you got to keep that in mind. Um, uh, I go about every fourth, maybe fifth day. But the other thing that I do to help with water is I use a product called Soil Moist in the um, uh, potting mix, and that will help uh, retain water in throughout the the, uh, the soil that's in your pot. There are other brands on the market, but that's the one that I I see around here. I have used other brands and had had good good luck with them, but uh, in my uh, flower beds I use soaker hoses, and I find that that works much better for me. Uh, I'm in a situation <clears throat> uh, I'm in a situation where I don't have irrigation here, although in the past. I have had uh, irrigation out in, uh, at a house here in Idaho, but I find that that works well for me. And, and I don't try the uh, 
the type of uh, uh, setup that, that Donna described just simply because it's too much effort to get it done. <laughs> and we're back to energy conservation. Yeah, and watering is a big deal depending on where you are. Watering containers, for me, and um, where I live, I might have to water my containers every day in the summer and um and i water by hand but it and it's not like watering a house plant where you just throw a little water in there like susan says you you need to water until it's coming out of the bottom and you want to water until the the water is clear to the top edge of the pot it's it's a lot it takes a lot of watering to keep those containers going but again, that's area specific. Maybe if you live in an area where you get a lot of summer rain, um, it, it might be different for you. But living here in the desert, it, it takes a lot of time. So do we have any hands raised? Anybody want yes, to ma'am. with you a sure comment do. or a question? All right. Yep. Okay, Musi, we'll go, go ahead and unmute. Musi, did you say? Yes. I'm un okay. I'm unmuted. Hey, it's interesting. This watering containers. I, this is kind of silly, but I was told that you should water around the edges of the pot and let it soak toward the middle because it'll encourage the roots to grow. Now, I agree that the easiest thing is to use a spray hose and just do the whole thing. But if you do, you have any thoughts about whether you should water from the edge of the pot or directly into the center or do you think that's not an issue sounds like a lot of trouble to me <laughs> i know but i, I personally this is water around the edge first but it's just i don't know i'm probably wasting my time you're right okay thank you well this, this is susan um again i don't know what part of the country you're in but here again dealing with high desert is the edges dry out first and oh. if, here if uh -huh. you water if you water at the edge it goes right down between the the potting soil and the pot right to the your drip uh whatever you're catching the water in uh i i don't pay any attention to that uh, i grow my uh horseradish in a pot um just because it it can be so aggressive uh -huh. but uh even with that one, uh, it uh, the you can see where the potting soil has pulled away from the edge of the pot. Oh, and it just that, that's. But now again, this is site specific, uh, uh -huh. and it may not apply if you've got a pot in the shade. Now mm -hmm. my pots get about seven hours of sun from sunrise. We're we're in a long day situation out here, mm -hmm. uh, so. You know, our our uh, sun in in the in the summer comes up at about uh, five thirty or six o'clock and goes down around goes down around nine o'clock. Wow! So, hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's why we grow yeah. such great onions out here. <laughs> oh. So you know, another yeah. possibility. This is Donna. Another possibility when you're watering is uh, I was always taught to water a container twice. So you water it first to allow the, the water to soak down and it uh -huh. opens up the soil for the second watering, which is the watering that really helps. So that's another possibility is go, you know, just water first briefly enough to long enough to let that soil open up and be ready for the, the real water to come. Hmm. And that might be more effective than watering on the edges. Okay. Thank you. That makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I always water from the edges because someone told me to. That's all. <laughs> and I don't know why. <laughs> okay. Well, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, um, but I think that the second watering is is really important if if you really want to get a pot thoroughly watered. Right. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, and this is talking about outdoor pots, not indoor pots. Indoor indoor pots would drown and die pretty quickly with this. <laughs> Oh, for sure. So, um, do we have no, any other hands? Um, not yes. for me, no, ma'am. But it is almost ten yes. of 
few 30 seconds. Deborah, this is Marge. Um, I wanted to I wanted to mention uh, something regarding watering. Um, This has been a a great discussion in terms of energy saving, labor saving, something that um, I had found some years ago, Home Depot used to sell a fabric um, covered soaker hose, uh, the Gilmore brand. And um, they're very lightweight, easy to manipulate. They're um, 25 feet or 50 feet. Um, There's even a 75 foot length. And um, I've used the 25 foot ones in raised beds, put them in when the plants are quite young, you've got it all set up. And then all you have to do is attach a hose to it and time how long you want the watering to happen. You can do it at a very low um, water flow rate. So you're conserving on water, you're conserving on your own energy because you're not uh, standing there trying to water an entire bed. So for my four by eight beds, these 25 foot uh, soakers have really worked well over the years for most um, most crops. And uh, they don't last forever. Um, they, they do have a, a somewhat short lifespan, but I love them because they are so easy to manipulate and I'm not gonna damage my plants trying to lay them down in place and keep them in place. Um, so again, it's Gilmore is is the brand, and they're very plentiful on eBay. That's where I, I buy them now, and uh, I, I can't uh, recommend them highly enough. Um, I, I can't imagine using, for, for these beds anyway, um, any other kind of silker hose. It would just be um, a, a, a difficult mess to try to um, lay down any other kind of stiff uh, silker hose. No, yeah, I, I use one in mine, and I agree. And it folds up real tiny, too. Yes. I, I use soaker hoses. There's one thing that you got to keep in mind is it dep- how long a soaker hose you can run depends upon your water pressure. Yes. Uh, and that's one of the things that you've got to keep in mind. Uh, my, I can't run 75 feet. Uh, no, I, I couldn't. Don't have enough, <laughs> I don't have enough water pressure here. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and you but, assess uh, too how long you want to run them for, depending on the soil makeup that's in your bed or in any other space that you um, are using these in. I use them in in-ground spaces sometimes as well, and and that calls for different amounts of water, you know, depending. So it might be twenty minutes, it might be a half hour. Depends on how dry things are. So lots of variables there that you learn to assess over time. But boy, it sure is easier to hook that thing up, go into the house and, and tell Lady A how much time you want uh, for to get your reminder uh, when the time is up and then you go out and turn the hose off. So much easier. Well, we have about, I don't know, six or seven minutes left. I know we just barely scratched the surface. I'm going to ask first Donna, then Susan, if you want to take a minute or two and just say something that we missed today that you think is important to say. So Donna, well, you do have do one more have hand something? up in seven minutes. Okay. Do you want to okay. take the hand? We'll take the, the yeah. We'll take the hand and then we'll let Donna and and Susan finish finish up with final thoughts. Hey, Roberta, go ahead. Thanks. Um, I have a hey, question. Roberta. Hi. Um, regarding walking, uh, watering, um, I assume most of you are on well water. I live in the city, and I'm wondering about additives to city water. Uh, normally, when I water my containers, I fill, I use gallon milk jugs, and I fill them and let them set for a day or two before I use them on my plants. And if I was to use a soaker hose, I guess I'm wondering if I should be worried about chlorine and salts and fluoride and et cetera, et cetera. Miss Susan, um, offhand, I don't know enough. 
However, I haven't had any problem with those chemicals uh, damaging my plants. Um, okay. And my husband uh, worked for uh, the, uh, national, international water companies all of his professional career. And he was also a master gardener. And we did talk about this. And he, we agreed at the time that it wasn't making any difference. Now, I know some folks are real sensitive about those kinds of things. But I don't know that I don't know of any research. Okay. Thank you. you know, and this is Donna, I've lived in in three and, different totally different climates and, and areas with, with water uh needs that were very different and I've never felt a ne- uh, the necessity to let it sit. And I've heard I thought about it, but I just I, I think the soil sifts a lot of a lot of the bad stuff out. Okay. Before it gets to the plant roots. I won't worry so much then. Thank you. Thank you, you, Roberta. All right. So, uh, Donna, do you have uh, some final thoughts? I know we probably didn't cover lots of things you wanted to say. Do you have a couple of quick thoughts? No, these have been wonderful topics. And I I just want to remind everybody that, you know, we can all say keep gardening. And we all have different needs. You're going to have to assess whatever your needs are. If, if you need to look at, at the weight that you're picking up or if you need more rest. But whatever it is, make it easier. Get, use long-handled tools. And, and they're really unique to each individual. And if you just talk to other gardeners, you're going to get great ideas. And that's exactly what you're doing Thank today. You. It's been fun. Thank you, Donna. Thank you. And Susan. Final thoughts? Well, one of the things that you've got to remember, this is the physical therapist talking, is gardening is exercise. And you need to keep your body in shape to actually do the work and accommodate whatever other kinds of problems that you've got. And thinking about conserving your energy and using what you've got more effectively uh, and again this is coming from somebody who spent 40 years in the business and i am really trying to take my own advice wow i you two have been just awesome really informative discussion today and wonderful things to keep in mind as we garden um, I'm going to hand it over to Marge after I just say next month we have another Master Gardener coming on. She's going to talk to us about propagating herbs, and there are many ways to do that. That should be a fun discussion. April, the blind history lady, is coming back on to talk to us. And June, we have Nella coming on. She, she's going to have a bunch of baby goats and we'll have a good talk with her about what's going on with her homestead. Um, join the Homesteading by Touch email list if you haven't already. Nella also has a great book discussion coming up this week and you can get information about that from the list. So Marge, I'll hand it over to you. Well, and uh, do remember, folks, that uh, we're now the first Saturday of each month that you have to look forward to this call. And I know Deborah didn't mention the month of May. So we'll either have a um, an interesting topic then. It's full spring by that time. And so there's so many different topics. If you have a suggestion as uh, to a uh, a topic that uh, you might like to hear us cover, you can certainly contact us. Uh, through ACB Community, or Deborah, are you still using the Home Garden and Agriculture email address? You still looking at that? I, I, 
don't check on anymore. And actually, I may have slept there. I think Nella's coming on in May. I, Is she? I oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, good. Yeah. yeah. Babies in May, for yeah. sure. For sure. So, so June, we yeah. will be thinking about topics. And if you have suggestions for us, do reach out to us through um, ACB community, or if you join our Homesteading by Touch listserv, that information is part of the um, announcement for today's call. Uh, please do suggest any topics you might have, and thank you for joining us today. And I think that's it for today. Well, I want to thank our. I want to thank once again Cindy, Danette, and Chanel. Thank you so much. 